What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming You podcast. I am your host, Josh Canuti. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, write us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. And I know you got the time because we're all quarantined together. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Onnit. Listen, all of us are ordering off of Grubhub, Uber Eats, probably not eating the best or trying to eat the best that we can. So we got to supplement. You got to get some vitamins in you. Go over to onnit.com slash OCY, get their vitamin pack. They have a really cool vitamin D spray. Now, I'm not a doctor. Do not take my advice, but I'm hearing on um, a lot of the websites that vitamin D can help in this whole COVID-19 thing. So go get some vitamin D spray. At the very least, get yourself some supplements, get yourself some vitamins, and stay healthy during this crazy time. And go visit onnit.com slash OCY. That's onnit, O. NNIT.com slash OCY and save up to 10% on your purchases. My guest today is arguably one of the best women's volleyball beach players in the world in April Ross. And it would take me a whole podcast just to list all of her accomplishments. But some of the highlights is she's a two-time Olympic medalist. She's multiple-time world champion. I mean, this gal has been winning her whole entire life. In high school, she was the Gatorade Player of the Year. She went to USC for a full-ride scholarship. I mean, she's been the FIVB Top Rookie, Best Offensive Player of the Year, Best Hitter, Best Server. She's been the AVP Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, Best Server, Best Offensive Player, Most Valuable Player. I mean, this girl is a straight champion through and through. But I need you to hear this, and I need you to hear what she says. I need you to hear her heart, because even at her level, all of her success, all of her championships, all of her medals, she still had to work through and overcome this negative self-talk that we all have. And the other thing is she had to cultivate a level of discipline through tiny daily decisions to where now her discipline equals her freedom and she can overcome and become a champion and Olympian multiple, multiple times over. I was so thankful and so happy to have a person of her caliber in her expertise and of her accomplishments, but also in her mindset and in her heart. You're going to love this podcast. You're going to love what she talks about. She is just a down-to-earth champion through and through. Now, please welcome my guest today, April Ross. April Ross, thank you for taking this time in this crazy pandemic thing that we got going on for coming on the Overcoming You podcast. I really do appreciate the time. I know it's a it's a weird weird situation we're in, but I appreciate you taking the time to uh, jump on the podcast. So thank you. Yeah, when I agreed, you know, we were just going into quarantine, and you were like the first person to hit me up, and I was like, well, I got a lot of time on my hands. Like, why not? But I've actually been a lot busier than I was expecting, like because yeah. we're not training or anything, but. Um, no, it's good to be busy during this time. So happy to be here. Good, good. So while we're on that topic, how, how are you doing during all this thing? How's everything going for you? How's everything going for the family? Um, how are you taking everything? It's, it's so weird. Um, I think I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Um, you know, it was, it kind of came in phases. It was like, Hey, we're just going to, you know, hunker down for two weeks and we'll be back to training and, or should we still train, train, you know, like, is that okay? And, um, I think we trained like one or two times and we're like, this doesn't feel safe. Like we're going to just yeah. kind of 
take it all the way down. Um, then our gym closed. And so I would like stole as much equipment as I could from the gym, brought it home with me so I could work out. So, um, just been working out really hard, not playing yeah. a lot of volleyball. We kind of set up a makeshift net in my front yard, but obviously it's not the same. Um, there's been a lot of bonding at home. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> we, sure. uh, I live with two other volleyball players. Um, and my boyfriend is here a lot. And then one of my roommate's girlfriends is here a lot. So there's like five of us and we have movie nights yeah. and cook dinner and stuff. So just, you know, make it trying to make the most of it. Are you sticking to a schedule or are you trying to have like, um, you know, wake up at the same time, go to bed at the same time? Are you trying to do workout schedules? Are you still, cause I know that's, that's helped for me. Question. Yeah. Um, when I realized that I was going to be stuck at home for a while, I, my a type, you know, intense driven self was like, okay, got to make a schedule. Let's do a schedule, you know? And so the first day I've had this schedule and the first, in the first hour I was off the schedule and I just like things, I don't know, like I was yeah. kind of like why my whole life has been scheduled. You know, I, I live on this every four years schedule and everything is regimented. And now we're in this like really weird time. I'm like, why don't I just give myself some freedom and, mm -hmm. and take those, you know, boundaries off and kind of see what happens. And, um, you know, I have, I, I may, I have those two, three big things that I know I need to get done. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like, Hey, first half of the day, let's get, you know, one of them done. Second half of the day, let's get the other one done, but not a really tight schedule. Right. I know I don't want to, you know, go back to college days where I'm staying up till one or 2 AM and getting up at noon. I don't want to do that. Sure. So my, my bedtime and wake up time has kind of stayed the same, but I'm kind of giving myself a little bit of freedom, which I know goes against what a lot of people are saying to do right now. But yeah. for me, it feels it feels right. Yeah, I think for me, the first week I was very, or the first few days I was very diligent with my schedule. And then I can say that like the last two days I was kind of like, oh, let me kind of enjoy my time and let me kind of just relax a little bit. And those two days were like the worst days. I was so bored <laughs> and then like negative thoughts started to come in and then, you know, my wife and I are bickering at each other. I'm like, I got to get back on the schedule. And so now my whiteboard is scheduled out by the hour. I'm like, oh, and so today got up 430, just like I normally do, did my meditation, did my five mile run. Now I'm here talking with you. So I just feel so much better. So um, I think it's yeah. two different things. You've been so regimented for so long that maybe it's a nice little break. Whereas I think some yeah. of us need to have like a little bit more of a schedule, but whatever works for you to get through the time, you know, is, yeah. is all good so i do after after i find myself sitting on the couch for you know two or three episodes i'm like okay yes. I gotta let's do something productive you know yeah. so it's kind of just like back and forth but and it's, it's been working how'd you take the news about tokyo about the olympics yeah i mean obviously it's the socially responsible thing to do it given you know the circumstances and um, how all the data is coming out and it's evolving, like it's the only rational decision to make to postpone it. Sure. Uh, I was I was kind of fighting against it for a long time, you know, like, oh, the curve's going to flatten out. It's, you know, we're going to get this under control. It's going to go away. And like, just let's not cancel it too soon or postpone it too soon. And then just things escalated pretty quickly. Yeah. And 
amongst my team, you know, we're texting every morning, like what's the latest we're looking on Twitter and probably not the best sources of information, right. but we're like, you know, before they made that, um, call, we were like, it's going to get postponed. So we kind of knew that it was going to happen. Um, and the, it just makes everything so uncertain for yeah. us. Um, which is, you know, if, if you're qualified, like if you know that you're the team that's going and that's not going to change, it's just a year later, it's like, okay, cool. You, you know, like yeah. I can train another year and I can use that time to just improve and get better and attack it in 2021, but we're not technically qualified yet. Um, okay. we're in a really good spot. Um, and then we were, so we were just kind of like, so what does that mean? And it uh, is what else is going to be added to the qualification process. And, um, so that was a little bit, uh, a little bit, we had to work through that as a team. Um, but you know, we're, we're, we work with a mental coach and yeah, it, you know, keeping it positive, trying to focus on the, the good information coming out, how we can get better during this time and just the things that we can control. Yeah. You know, that's actually something I wanted to ask you about. So I know you have a sports mental coach and then I know you go to kind of a personal mental coach or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Can you talk me through the difference in those two? I mean, I know the, what you're trying to get to is going to be different, but how does one mental coach differ from the other? Yeah, I, I saw a therapist for a while. I, I'm not, I'm not seeing one now. I've been on myself to go back mm -hmm. um, just because I think it's healthy for mental health in general. But um, my mental coach for volleyball, um, it's, you know, a lot of team dynamics. So it's how do you, um, if you've got an issue, your coach is doing something you're not happy with, or, you know, you're butting heads with your teammate, like how do you approach those things? What's the best way to go about those? So interpersonal team dynamics, we do a lot of and visualization mm -hmm. that is, um, you know, very specific to volleyball and competition like okay picture yourself what does it look like when you get to the court um how does it feel what are you smelling you know um what are the emotions you want to feel yeah uh, yeah wait yeah. so walk, walk me through that because i was really interested in that because you said visualization is a big portion or a big part of your success or a big part of your training so when you're doing those that visualization are you just sitting in a room? Do you do it every day? Is it guided? Walk me through. How do you do that visualization? Because that's something I'm just starting to get into. I just got a book about it. So I was interested on how you did it. Yeah. So we try to do it every night. Sorry, I'm watching my, my dog. She's, don't look your stitches. Uh, we we try to do it. Yeah, we try to do it every night before we go to bed. And um, we try to hold each other accountable. Like we'll... Um, we'll text each other a just visualization for 10, 12 minutes. And then, you know, our coach tries to do it too. So we all text how long we've done it for just to keep each other accountable. And it's really, we do a form of box breathing while we're visualizing. So we try to mimic the adrenaline rush. So we've been focused on the Olympics. Like we had a test event there last uh, summer. And so, um, we kind of know what it looks like, the the venue, and so we're picturing the venue and, okay, what is, does it look like when you're walking in? And just trying to get that emotional um, response and get your heart yeah. rate going and then use that breathing to kind of quiet it and get control over it okay. um, so that when we're in the actual 
moment and feeling those things, we can kind of bring it back to the present moment yeah. and be calm and, and focused. Um, and so it, everything from, like I said, walking into, you know, the first serve, how do you feel at the first serve and <clears throat> the last point of the match? How do you want to feel? Yeah. Um, so just, she, she has us do it incrementally. So the first like half walk through the first, like half an hour you're there and then walk through the next 40, the 40 minutes you're there until you're all the way through, like yeah. showing up for a match to closing out a match. So you're trying to put so, in as much specifics as possible when you're going through that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And how, how does the sand feel under your feet? Like when you're walking warm up court to the, the center court, you know, like, are you walking on grass? Are you walking on cement? Are you wearing shoes? And like, what are you seeing? And, and is it hot? Is it, you know, so yeah. just trying to feel everything you can possibly feel to make it as real. It's probably, I think that helps a lot because I think on the times when I've been able to do that on a really profound, deep level, and you start to feel those feelings. I do it a lot when I have to go like give a talk or give a, a speech or something like that. I start to feel those feelings. And then when I'm out there or when you're out there, doesn't feel as new or as foreign. So that big adrenaline spike, it, it almost feels like I've been here before. And so I'm able to be a little bit more calm and my mind's a little bit more sharp. Do you find that same, same effect? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I've done a bunch of different kind of variations throughout the years and it actually started in, in high school, um, at Newport Harbor, our coach would, take us up to the wrestling room before matches and turn the lights out for five minutes we'd all sit up there and and visualize you know playing perfectly and how do we want to feel out there and um obviously we did really well at, at harbor and i kind of like that solidified it for me and so i've always really been a big believer in visualization but yeah i think it really helps in that way one thing so you mentioned harbor i wanted to actually get your thoughts on something so i wanted to walk through from newport harbor to um, SC to Olympics, you said something in a few of your interviews or a few of your blogs about self-talk that you have going through there. Can you kind of walk me through kind of what was your self-talk when you were in high school? And the reason why, let me kind of set the stage or I'll lead the witness a little bit. One of the <laughs> things with um, the younger generation, and it's one of the things that breaks my heart is that the fastest growing group that the suicide attempts and depression is rising are little girls ages 11 to 16. And I think it has a lot to do with that self-talk that goes through our, through our minds. So when you're at Newport Harbor, what kind of self-talk were you kind of going through? Did you just always have a positive self-talk or were you like, what was going through? And then I want to go to SC and then kind of want to see the evolution of that self-talk. Yeah. I think when I was at Harbor, I was just kind of starting out. I was the you know, lowest on the totem pole and, um, didn't kind of know if I was good enough to be there. So I had a lot of doubt. Um, thankfully I made a couple of friends that, um, you know, encouraged me and stuff like that. And I think that's really important to have support, a support system, um, to help you gain that belief in yourself. You know, you want to believe in yourself, but always helps if other people express belief in you as well. Um, I think, Ironically, something that really helped me when I was at Harbor was how tough the coaches were on me. And mm. I know that the culture has kind of gone away from that. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of like, why, you know, he's beating up on me. He, you know, thinks I'm terrible. Um, you know, kind of like, F him, I'm going to show him, you know. So it like forced me to right. find belief in myself to prove him wrong. 
Um, and that's kind of been a theme throughout my career. I would say I've always had really tough coaches mm-hmm. and I've always wanted to prove people wrong. Um, so I think I slowly, you know, I, I worked really hard and I don't, I don't think I knew the value of positive self-talk when I was in high school, but because I had to fight so hard and I, I, I had so much fun and I just wanted to be good and I wanted to gain that starting spot. I, you know, one thing would happen well and I would gain a little bit more confidence and, you know, little things kept happening because I worked so hard. It's kind of like the little cycle, you know, okay, am I good enough? I need to prove I'm good enough. I am good enough. Okay. Let's take on the next challenge. Yeah. When I went to, uh, when I got to SC, I obviously knew I was, you know, good enough to get a scholarship to a really good school. And I'd gotten Gatorade, uh, national player of the year, which was a big, um, yeah. booster for, for my confidence. Uh, but at the same time, I was a freshman on, you know, this great SC team and like, so same kind of thing, like, am I good enough? And I, and I had more confidence, like I was saying at the time, um, than I did in high school, but, uh, I really, it was kind of like, okay, everybody expects me to be good now mm-hmm. and ex- expects us to win. And so I had this doubt, like, what if we lose, you know, like, is everyone, you know, what's going to happen if we lose? And so I had, I was playing like very fear-based. I, I can okay. remember going into almost every match SC, like really worried that we were going to lose. I wasn't going in being like, we're going to kill this team. Like, oh, let's really? do this. It was like, yeah, I was like, oh my God, I hope we don't lose. You know, in a way, I, I, that it was, there was a lot of stress with that. Yeah. So I don't recommend that, but in a way it encouraged me to over prepare, you know, to an extreme extent for every yeah. single match. You know, I was over prepared. I, I really wanted to win. And that fear of losing really drove me. It was, it's an, it's an ironic thing. Also, sure. you're kind of like the coach that's really tough on you, makes you believe in yourself, you know, being really fearful of losing right. makes you, you know, go after that win even harder. So <laughs> I'm not saying this is great mental health, you know, a mental, you know, healthy way to go about it, but um, that's how I was. And then it wasn't until, you know, the last five to 10, eight to 10 years on the, on playing beach volleyball mm-hmm. at the pro level that I really kind of doubted by my truly positive self-talk. So when you first stepped onto the court, because I know you started in indoor and then tra- transferred or pivoted over to beach volleyball. When you first stepped on the court, did you feel like, hey, this is this is where I belong? Hey, this is this is what I'm good at? Did you feel that right away? Or did that build over those times of working out and improving and over and over and over? Yeah, no, I when I so I only quit indoor. I was. I, I feel like I was a pretty good indoor player and I was playing professionally yeah, in Puerto Rico. And only reason I quit was because my body broke down and I needed surgery on my knee and I had no interest in beach volleyball. I hadn't been, been playing beach volleyball on the weekends or anything like that. And so I just got asked by a friend to go out there and, and play in a couple tournaments kind of more for fun. And I got out there and yeah, no, I was terrible. I was, yeah. it was like, it was so hard. I, you know, it was embarrassing to a point to be out there like, training with these teams because I was so bad and I didn't know like what even the skills in beach volleyball were. And I had to ask, like looking back and knowing how basic my questions were to like these coaches, it's, yeah. it's kind of, it's comical, but yeah, no, I, I just 
fell in love with the culture. It wasn't like, oh, I'm good at this. I'm going to do it. Like, yeah, it was kind of I, I really enjoy it. So I want to find a way to make it work. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's something that a lot of us forget or don't think about is that here you have somebody that is one of the top players in the entire world, one of the best players of all time. I'm not throwing sunshine at you, just being honest, but here you have someone that you had to cultivate that passion. You had to cultivate that in. Yes, you have to step outside of that that fear base, but then you have to do the work. And more work you put in and the more stuff that you drive towards, the higher your passion gets. And then all of a sudden, I was talking with, I had Jessica McDonald on who was on the Women's um, World Cup uh, soccer team. And we actually were talking about, uh, well, you came up, but you two remind me very similar because it seems like once you guys get on your field or on your court, there's like a lion that comes out. And if you Google the pictures of Jessica McDonald, Google some pictures of you, you know, just after winning a, a match, you see this like fire and this like just this passion just exude from all, all of your pores. And it's just so cool to see. But I think it's so powerful for everyone hearing is that that was built over time. It wasn't you stepped out there and this is, yep, this is exactly where I knew I was supposed to be. The exactly, I knew I was going to be the greatest. I knew that what out of 21 medals that have ever been given in the Olympic beach volleyball, you have 10% of them. I mean, I think that's so powerful for people to hear that you have to cultivate this passion. Sometimes you have to cultivate these skills over and over. I just lo love that fact when I talk to individuals like yourself, it's just really, really cool. Yeah, I think you have definitely earn it. You know, you, you, you have to kind of buy into the positive self-talk and the and the belief in yourself before you really feel it. You know, I think that's really important to know. It's not doesn't have to be a result of something you need to learn. It's a skill, a practice. You have to learn how to recognize the bad thoughts, change them into positive thoughts and just continue to do that over and over. That's going to help you perform at a higher level eventually and then you're going to you know it's going to be validation and you're going to be like okay i am good you know like let's keep building on this and and keep work, working towards it and can't do anything you can't, can't do any of this without hard work you know yeah. it's not an easy thing you don't just decide one day like i'm going to be i'm going to talk to myself in a more positive way it's like you have to work really really hard in a lot of aspects to to solidify it you know and yeah. it's really um fulfilling you know it's a great it's a much better way to exist it's a much better way to play <clears throat> but it does it takes a lot of time and a lot of hard work yeah one thing that you said in one of your <clears throat> blogs and i i've been on this thought process for better part of a year now and i'm almost convinced that this is correct so one of the things that you said about self-discipline is that even harder than all was learning to make the tiny choices day in and day out over time. Can you talk about what those tiny choices are and what you kind of mean by that? Yeah. I mean, everything accumulates, right? It's not like I'm going to do something big this week and then another thing big in a couple other weeks and try really hard at those things. And that's, you know, that's not going to matter. It's going to, it's the little things you do every day. And so, um, like we talked about, like, you, you can be really tired and feel like you don't have the time, but like getting that meditation in just like 10 minutes every day, yeah. um, that's really going to add up. It's um, after dinner, I like to have a little bit of chocolate, but it's like stopping after a little bit, not having a ton. Um, it's cooking for yourself, not going yeah. out. It's, you know, 
just I I like to look at it like how how I know what it looks like to prepare to be my best. And so how, how am I going to be my best? I have kind of like a checklist on a daily basis. Like these are the things I know I need to do to eventually be performing at my best. And I try not to think about it. I know they're going to help me improve, but I just, you know, go in and do it. Like check it off and, and check the next things off. Okay. I'm super tired and I maybe don't want to do my conditioning today, but just go out, get it started. You know, just if I do that every day, which is, that's actually a super hard thing for me is getting my conditioning in because it's the last thing I do every day and I'm so tired and like there's been seasons where I haven't done it and I've seen how it, you know, has hindered me. So leading up to the, you know, this year, this last like six months, I've been on my conditioning every day. And that's a really hard thing for me. It's like, I was doing my conditioning and now you move the Olympics. Like I'm going to have to do my conditioning for another year. Right. Uh, but yeah, doing those little things yeah. really adds up. I'm convinced that excellence is in the details. And I think one of the reasons why you've excelled and everyone else in your realm or, or whether it be in business or a CEO or other athletes is that you do all the little things consistently day in and day out. Meaning the things that maybe that most people wouldn't apply to quote unquote beach volleyball, you know, waking up whatever time, four thirty, you wake up, you meditate, then right after that you, you know, drink some water and then you go do do this workout and then you eat this breakfast or this food versus that chocolate. All those little tiny things all add up. And I think it's the analogy that I use is that, you know, two ships leave out of Newport Harbor here and if you just tilt that wheel just one degree over the time, you're going to be veering off into a complete different direction, but it's all those positive things, Wait, making your bed, keeping your house clean, all those positive things that you do time and time again. Whereas I think a lot of us, or at least for me, you know, I start to go good, just like I said in the beginning of this podcast, the first two days, boom, I was on, I was on point, did my tasks, did my meditation, did my workouts, did all my reading, did everything that makes me feel good. And then the following two days, I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm not going to do it. And then I feel feel really bad about myself. And I think the difference, not to compare you and I, but the difference between you and I is that, yes, you may falter, but you falter a lot less than some average average individuals like, like myself. Is that So when you do those things time and time and time again, then you just end up being someone that owns 10% of all of the um, the <laughs> Olympic, <laughs> Olympic uh, beach volleyball medals. So I think those little tiny decisions are so crucial and I think so many times are in our daily lives, we forget about that. That's yeah, just no, me. I think, um, sorry to add on to that real fast. Cause you talk about the little details. So yeah. I'm taking care of my dog right now too. Um, <clears throat> there you go. One of my overarching kind of like life philosophies is, um, you know, to, it's really important for me to maximize life. I lost my mom when she was in, uh, when I was in college and just seeing how, how short life can be, it's like, I'm, I want to attack every day with all I have and do it at 150%. Like I want to leave everything I have out there. It's kind of like on the court, but like every day in life. And yeah. so that encourages me to be disciplined and take care of those little things. So it's kind of like the whole practice of being in the present moment, maximizing the present moment, you know, all that stuff. It's yeah. like, 
it all comes down to the same type of deal. Like how do you make the most of yourself? And so I think being really um, cognizant of being in the moment, not, you know, worried about too much about what's going on in the future. Cause if you take care of what you need to take care of on a daily basis in the moment, the future is going to take care of itself. Yeah. The harder you work in the present moment, the more opportunities are there are, are going to be down the road. Like that's something I've, live by you know yeah. do you say yes to the present moment and you'll have opportunities to do bigger things down the road yeah you know that's i just had a podcast with a uh ufc fighter this gal ashley evans uh yesterday we were talking about it's so interesting how sometimes the it seems almost verbatim that sometimes the darkest moments or times in our lives could sometimes be the biggest benefit once we look back you know losing your mom that's a real tough time and when i was talking to ashley we have some similar upbringings with some you know family members that were into drugs and stuff like that but those bad things that happened to us actually helped us become better people and i just think now what i'm trying to understand or trying to wrap my brain around is that when we're going through these tough times if you can know during in that present time just like you say hey this is a messed up time Hey, what we got going on this pandemic, this is a messed up time, but how can I use it? So in three months, a year, you know, you're standing on the podium or you're, you're in a different position. And so I just, I want to figure out a way to be more in the present during those dark times. And maybe it's just talking to people like you and kind of listening to these, these, uh, stories that kind of help other people. So it's just re yeah. really interesting. I, and I just, I think yeah, we need I to be thankful for those times a lot more than we, we give it credit to. Yeah. I think one thing those times do to me specifically is they draw me into the present moment, you know, like it's, it's, yeah. you have to deal with what's happening on a day to day basis and like really be present. And, and just to get through those times, you have to, a lot of times give it a hundred percent. You don't even know that you're going to be better off afterwards, you right. know, but like to get through those, you have to kind of like double down on yourself and double down on what you're doing to, to work through it. And, you know, there are two ways to react in those kinds of times, you know, like you can feel sorry for yourself and you can yeah. say it's, you know, not worth it. And like, I'm just going to kind of like melt here and see what happens or you can like really attack it. Like, I was talking to a friend who had her husband's uh, an army ranger and she, she said they use a phrase like be a Buffalo, which I hadn't heard before. And it's mm. like, when you're in a challenging situation, you, you rush at it like a Buffalo, like you don't, you know, you just go at it full force and you attack it with everything you have and you're yeah. going to get through it. You know, it, it, so I think being in that moment and, and having those challenging situations, they will make you better, but you got to be a buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really good because, you know, in times like this or in times where, you know, a family member passes away or you have a rough time or whatever is that you can attack it like a buffalo, but you can attack it and kind of chunk it down. Like, okay, I'm going to attack. I'm just going to get up at this time. Okay. The next thing I'm going to attack, I'm just going to eat healthy. Just get through this breakfast, not the rest of the week. Not the rest of the day, just this breakfast. Okay, I'm just going to get through this next 30-minute push-up, sit-up, air squats, you know, and just chunk that down. But if you attack it with that buffalo mentality or just those little tiny details like we talked about before, at the end of the day, end of the week, end of the month, you are so much happier with yourself. And I, 
I will be willing to debate, fight, throw down with anybody that disagrees with this. I think one of the best, if not the best feeling on the face of the planet is when you are truly proud of yourself. Void of narcissism, void of ego. When you put in the work, when you when you turn down that chocolate, when you turn down that champagne, when you turn down that that cocktail, and you put in the effort in the work, and you look back and go, I did that for myself, and you're able to pat yourself on the back. Like I said, void of narcissism is one of the best feelings on the face of the planet. But it starts with those little tiny details day in and day out, day in and day out. And it's not very cool. It's not very sexy. But the more times you do it, that feeling is so worth it that I just, I pray that everybody will just try to do that just a little bit more. Just do one more tiny decision. Just do one more little bit of self-discipline. It's so worth it. Well, yeah, what's the saying? It's like, just basically it's discipline is happiness, you know, and it doesn't feel like when you're doing it, when you're saying, when you're telling yourself no to something that you really want to do, like you think you want to do that thing and it's really hard to say no. And it feels like the wrong thing to do almost, but it's going to provide you so much more happiness. And if you give in to those things that you want to go do, you know, if you stay out late partying, like you're going to regret that if you say no and you stay in and you write your blog, like, and the, you know, gains traction like that you're going to be so much better off like yeah. discipline is happiness and it took me a long time to kind of like well not a long time i figured that out in college but it, it definitely pays off big time yeah you know on that topic of discipline so you had a very pivotal switch in your discipline uh when you were talking about you even alluded to college there so when you started out in freshman you kind of were you did anything and everything you ate what you wanted and definitely were in the shape that you wanted to do but then something switched in your discipline you talked about that a little bit can you allude to that and kind of what tactical things changed your mind or how did you change your focus or your discipline? It was really when my mom passed away. So that was like my sophomore year. Um, And before that, I, you know, wasn't going to my 8 a.m. classes. I um, was kind of just really coasting, like doing the college lifestyle, partying, staying out late. Um, Even before matches, I'd stay out too late. And um, then, and I think I was dealing with, my mom was not doing great. And so I was dealing with that a little bit, but once, um, once she passed and I went through kind of like a grieving phase where I partied even harder and, you know, we kind of tanked in the playoffs and I got my grades and they were super low. Um, I kind of, I, I can remember sitting in study hall when I got my grades at the end of the semester, I was exhausted. I think, I think I had mono, I wasn't diagnosed, Mm -hmm. but like, I was just exhausted and I was like, what am I doing? Like, would my mom be proud of me right now? Like, yeah. at, you know, it was, is this how she would want me to respond to what happened? And 100% no. Um, and I kind of sat there and I was like, what do I need to do to turn the ship around? You know, what does that look like? And I'm like, okay, I have to go to class. I got it. I have to go to bed by 11 AM. And it was like very, I, I turned, into a very structured person, like on a dime. And Mm -hmm. I can still remember, I studied every night from nine to 11, you know, at home, lights out at 11, get up at seven, make my breakfast, make my lunch, like get in shape, don't go out, kind of all this stuff. And it really did turn around. Like we won the national championship the next year, the year after that we went undefeated. I ended up with like a 4.0 my senior year. And that just like really proved to me 
what discipline can do for you. And, um, whenever I feel myself maybe not having the kind of successes I want, even little things, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm veering off course. I need to rein it in, get those, uh, get my discipline kind of a little bit more on point. Yeah. So I can really trace it back to that for sure. Well, I know we're kind of cruising up on time here and I have just three questions for you left. But before I do that, where can everybody find you and what do you got going on? Well, you can follow me on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most active at April Ross Beach. I'm on Twitter a lot right now because there's a lot to talk about. But April Ross Beach on Twitter, um, April Ross Official on um, Facebook. And I have a blog I do sometimes. Um, I'll link to that, though, on those. And yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm existing at this moment. Do you have a clothing line? Did I see that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I do. Um, I have a clothing line with Mizuno. Um, we are coming out with new stuff in April hey. um, this year. Yeah, very <laughs> fitting. Um, you can find my collection on MizunoUSA.com under April Ross Collection. Um, I am officially an Oakley athlete this year, which is really exciting. Cool. Um, they have the best glasses if you've never worn them. Um, I am also working with KT tape and right now when you can't get physical therapy, like I'm (laughs) taping myself every day before I work out and it's, they have a great system, um, for taking care of yourself and then Gatorade love, uh, being a part of the Gatorade family. They're awesome. My nephew was playing T-ball before their season got canceled. It's his very, or postponed his very first sport. I went to his very first game of his very first sport. He's four years old and um, they needed, um, they like were asking me to get Gatorade or whatever for the team. And they, so Gatorade sent me a bunch of stuff. They came the other day and going to give it to them. So um, fun stuff with all my sponsors. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So just last three questions. Like I said, one of the, things with this podcast I'm trying to do or trying to help as many people try to overcome these all these mental all these mean things that we tell ourselves like that's just you know pulls at my heartstrings like I alluded to earlier the group that just breaks my freaking heart are young girls 11 to 16 and with this constant comparison and these body image issues that they have to go through what's some advice that you would give to any girl of any age, but maybe around those age around like body image issues or just comparison, what advice would you give them to help just be a little bit kinder to themselves or how have you worked through that? I would just say, you know, as I've gotten older, that stuff just doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter what your outward appearance is. It doesn't matter how popular you are um, in school or, or in life. You know, in school, I was not popular. You know, I had my volleyball team. And I think that's a big thing that, you know, got me through it was I had that support system in my sports trying to fit in and, and deal with all of that. And I, I wasn't great at it. And so I, I, you know, I would go back so many times and be like, okay, if I have no friends, it's okay. I'm, you know, I have my family and I have that, you know, it's going to be fine. And I'm going to focus on my sports. And I just think those things are more important anyways. You know, mm-hmm. those are the things that are going to carry you through your life focus on the bond you have with your family, you focus on your craft and focus on school. And that's going to get you so much farther than worrying about how many likes you have on Instagram, you know, worrying about what you look, getting the good selfie or, you know, um, that that stuff just doesn't matter. So I know it's really hard to, to wrap your mind around that when you're going through it. Right. But I think if they can just 
know that it's going to be fine regardless. Like they don't need to buy into it. Uh, um, Yeah. It really bothers me too. I I don't know. I just like being good at what you do is so much more fulfilling than looking good. (laughs) I mean, I, you know, like I, I, it's, it's hard to get that through to teenagers. I know. Yeah. No, I think you said it, said it perfectly. And what I'm hearing is focus on what you can control and then kind of the thing that's been through this whole episode, this whole podcast, focus on what you can control and put in the work on those tiny decisions. And then that self-confidence and that self-image is going to increase over time because you can't control how many likes you get. You can't control if somebody likes you. You can't control, you know, what other people think about you, but you can control the friendships and families that you have and cultivate that. And you can control the effort that you put into something. And if you do that more often in those little tiny decisions, that self-image and that self-worth is going to rise over time. So that's going to overshadow any negative interactions they may have. And really, and really dialing into who you are authentically, you know, like, um, don't try to, you know, not trying to be someone you're not and, and really getting to know who you are and presenting that authentically and, um, getting feedback for that is from being your authentic self is you're going to be able to build yourself up more solidly. If you're putting out who you really are, you know, people want unique people. They, They don't want cookie cutter. You know, they don't want everyone who looks like, you know, the latest Instagram model or influencer, you know, right. your value is your uniqueness. So you need to, you know, I think it's really important to figure out what that is. Next question. Who's hardest or who's easiest to train boyfriend, dog or teammate? <laughs> oh my goodness. The dog for sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice partner. Um, Absolutely not. Um, we are completely different physically. I have, you know, I, I, I say if I were you, this is what I would do, but she's so different. Like there's no way. Yeah. Um, and then now that we're stuck at home, I've been trying to help my boyfriend with workouts and no, no, no go, no go. That's funny. <laughs> no go. Yeah. Um, so I'm focused on the dog now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Then last question. So as a Olympic level athlete, a champion, how does April Ross build her self-worth? Yeah. You know, I think I, I grasped my self-worth pretty solidly at this point. I am focused on kind of doing that through relationships, you know, like I feel like I've played my sport long enough and I've, um, done enough in my sport. I've proved it to myself. I know I'm good at what I do. I know I, I provide worth in that way. And so I've, I've kind of like shifted gears and I, I'm trying to find that self-worth in, uh, in relationships. Um, and then also a big focus for me, kind of just starting this year. I've been so focused just on my career and, and doing what I needed to do in my career. I haven't had a lot of time to give back. I have tried to throughout the years, but like that's kind of a big shift for me. I'm really looking for ways to give back to the, you know, next generation of volleyball players coming up or just in my community in general. So, Mm -hmm. um, finding self-worth in that way too. Yeah. That's actually one of the biggest scientifically proven ways to increase happiness, increase self-worth is to give back. It actually increases serotonin, increases dopamine, increases the blood flow, and actually will increase like that trifecta of happiness chemicals in your body when you help somebody else. And so, 
I couldn't agree agree with you more. That's something that I love to do. It's something that every time I do it, I always feel better doing something for somebody else than for myself. So I couldn't agree agree more. So I think it's a great way. <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I will let you get back to attending to your dog and trying to uh, train <laughs> your you. boyfriend a little bit more. And But no, in all seriousness, I know this is kind of a crazy time and I appreciate your time coming on the podcast and you are, are an awesome champion. You are going to bring home the gold and then we'll- In 2021. Uh, yeah, in 2021. <laughs> and so maybe we'll, we'll talk after you bring home that gold and then you'll have one, one of each color. Nice. I'll be on for sure. Yeah. Okay, I'll cool. Be, yeah. Hey, April. Cool. Thanks it, for having me so much. Thanks. I really do appreciate it. All right. Remember, no be problem. kind to yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with April Ross. Thank you to our sponsors, Onnit. Once again, that's onnit.com slash O-C-Y and save up to 10% on all your orders. Stay tuned for some upcoming episodes as I got a lot of cool stuff coming out, a lot of cool content for you to hopefully help you through this quarantine time. Thank you again for listening. See ya.